Hello, my lovely listener. It's Patricia bringing you the last of our podcasts for this year at Poetry P. Don't be too sad. We will be back next year with a packed schedule for you to enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Alison Whipple, who's going to introduce our first topic for next year. There will be fewer topics to write to next year, so do make sure you have our dates in your diary. You don't want to miss out on being featured in the podcast or in the journal. Now, there might be fewer topics to write to for the podcast and journal, but our monthly video prompts will continue. Which reminds me, if you have a video of about 20 seconds recorded in landscape mode, do email me and find out how to send it over to be considered for the prompt. I have videos, but it's always nice to have something from someone else, especially if it shows a little bit of local flavour from where you live. You'll also see other new features and offerings from Poetry P in 2023. Those of you who are on the mailing list will discover them first, so if you want to be ahead of the haiku game, do please sign up for the mailing. The sign-up is on the website, and if you find I talk to you too much, you can silence me by unsubscribing. Normally in this podcast, I'd be saying thank you to all of you who've bought me a coffee in the past month, but this podcast is being recorded early as I'll be at my son's wedding. And I honestly don't know who's bought me a coffee, but thank you if you have, and I will do all my proper thank yous next month. So shall we go and visit with Alison and get some inspiration for January's topic? I'm so happy to be chatting with Alison Whipple again. She's becoming one of our regular presenters and community judges here at Poetry P. And of course, she has her own blog and podcast, The Culinary Sajiki. Details in the show notes. Now, this blog has direct relevance to Alison's talk here today at P Towers. But before I say any more, let me say hello, Alison, and welcome back to Poetry P. I'm so excited to be presenting again. <laughs> I know, it's wonderful. Have you been okay since we saw you last, which really wasn't that long ago? No, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been quite a fall uh, for me, um, but I've been volunteering a lot because I've just, in the midst of moving across the country and buying a house, I haven't been writing as much, and so I keep volunteering <laughs> for things, so I stay connected so those of you who submitted to our last theme in 2022 will know that I promised you a mouth-watering topic to open 2023 submissions. And Alison is here to spark your imagination to write haiku for that first topic. And that topic is food, Kigo. So without further ado, Alison, can I hand over to you to inspire us? Absolutely. I'm so excited. So my topic is uh, food and the seasons in haiku. And this is a component of what I've been doing since March with the Culinary Saijiki blog and podcast. And there are so many directions we could take in talking about food. Today, I really wanted to focus on the seasonality of it. So the purpose of this workshop first is to explore how food words function as kigo explore how food words that are not inherently seasonal can nonetheless enhance the seasonal aspects of haiku and provide strategies for practice working with food imagery in your haiku. So first, food as kigo. Food imagery connects to the process of agriculture, grounding the reader in the seasonal nature of food. 
And images of preparing or eating specific foods also serve as seasonal reference unto themselves. Thinking of agriculture, the photo on here is my uh, pandemic vegetable garden, the one like that everyone had. Haiku can connect directly to the phases of planting, growing, and harvesting, whether that's a full-scale farm or a backyard vegetable garden. The parsnip seeds. I was about to plant them when the wind blew. The parsnip seeds. I was about to plant them when the wind blew. Anna Vakar, and that's in Haiku World and International Poetry Almanac, which has been one of my source texts for this project. And the parsnip being uh, in seed form indicates that this is a spring haiku. And of course, uh, note that not all produce gets planted in the spring. So we don't want to assume that a seed inherently means a spring kigo. Uh, the more I go into this, uh, the less I can say there are hard and fast rules and more just guidelines to think about. This haiku uh, in Haiku World uh, was actually classified as a spring poem because of the word wind, not of the word because of the word seeds. There are not many food words listed as kigo in the various saijiki I've been looking at. Uh, not none, but also just it's not an extensive topic that gets covered. Um, so that even when there is a clear seasonal food, the kigo is often identified elsewhere in the poem. So like wind instead of seeds. Hidden in the seed packet, star songs. Hidden in the seed packet, star songs. Stuart Barrow, Bottle Rockets, number 46. And because this haiku features a more general seed packet, rather than naming a specific seed, I do believe that this is a spring haiku as, then, as that's when most planting occurs. And I think that the image of the seeds complements the more abstract star, star songs because the humble seeds connect to something bigger. We've talked on a lot of episodes on the, on the podcast about how delving into the more abstract can be really tricky. Um, but when there is a really strong concrete image that connects to something a little more abstract, that works really well. Rows of corn stretch to the horizon sun on the thunderhead. Rows of corn stretch to the horizon, sun on the thunderhead. Lee Gerga, Kasamakura Interna University International Haiku Competition, 1996. Crops growing tall or bearing fruit is a hallmark of summer. And in my research of primarily contemporary haiku, I found an abundance of poems focused on the growing season and less about the planting or harvesting seasons. And I've only been working on this project for about seven, eight months. So I'm not really ready to say definitively why, but one of my working hypotheses is that the focus on the growing season might be because that stage of the agricultural year provides plenty of fodder for specific imagery. You can look out to your garden and see the tomatoes on the vine. You can look out into a cornfield and see the giant stalks shooting up almost every day. But unless you are a farmer or a really strong or a really, you know, habitual gardener, planting and harvesting might seem more abstract. You know, we can see people's gardens when we walk through the neighborhood, but unless we're 
able to maintain our own, we may feel more distanced from those other two aspects. Basil blossoms. A door closes behind me. Basil blossoms. A door closes behind me. Euphemia Grifo, Seashores, November 21. While blossoms are normally a spring kigo, many herbs blossom toward the end of the summer as their life cycle is coming to an end. And so working with food and haiku invites the opportunity to observe the life cycles of the plants and animals around it. Um, we often think of blossoms like cherry blossoms as a spring kigo, but when we have that chance to really pay attention to how different types of plants live their lives, um, I think that invites a deeper sense of observation and connection. And I also think that in part because food is less codified as Kigo, and in part because agricultural seasons are different around the world, there is a risk that the reader won't always agree with your seasonal referent, but I also think that's a risk worth taking. Sugar maple, pressing my tongue against the wood. Sugar maple, pressing my tongue against the wood. Genevieve Wynand, Kingfisher Three. Sap from maple trees runs from late winter to early spring outside the standard of what we would consider the harvest season of autumn. And in areas where sap is harvested, winter weather lasts longer. So while in theory we're harvesting sugar maple in the spring, it, it still feels pretty wintry, I'd say, for, for most of that. And so the seasons are not so clearly defined as we'd like. And that's something I've really been running up against um, in my work with Kigo in general. Plus, uh, we've got the Haiku calendar and the Gregorian calendar, and those don't always line up. The uh, starts of seasons in the Haiku calendar are roughly about six weeks sooner than in the Gregorian calendar. And working with Food Kigo, I think it's an opportunity. Uh, it allows us to resist the laziness in our images or our assumptions about the seasons. Windfall apples in my pockets, enough for a pie. Windfall apples in my pockets, enough for a pie. Adelaide B. Shaw, Bottle Rockets 46. Apples are generally an autumn kigo, but in that first line, we've got the phrase windfall apples. And windfall apples are those that are ready to pick and eat early, sometimes as soon as uh, midsummer. Uh, this is something I've actually experienced out on my partner's family farm, and I didn't know there was a word for it until like a year later. And so I was, when I looked it up, I was like, oh, that's what those are. I know that. So working with specific food words provides a rich opportunity to explore the subtle ways in which the world doesn't always operate are according to our definition of the seasons. We normally pick apples in autumn, but when we have windfall apples, they are ready to be harvested much earlier. And of course, there is a risk that if a term is unfamiliar, people will miss the point of the poem. I did have to go look up windfall apples the first time I saw this haiku, and it made everything, both finding those apples and finally having a word for it, for it and then my experience of the poem, it made it much richer. And when it comes to preparing and eating, not uh, only are the foods we eat seasonal, but the way we prepare food fluctuates with the season. 
It's more common, at least in the United States, to cook on a grill in the summer, and you're more likely to bake a casserole in the winter. And related to that, I think one of the biggest challenges for using food as Kigo is that for much of the world, our food is now divorced from the seasons. If you can afford to pay a premium, most forms of fresh produce are available year round. The, the ease of eating out of season means it can be more challenging to identify clear food Kigo. So in the photo on this slide, I have a Christmas, it was Christmas Eve dinner, I think from two years ago, which is, you know, in December in the United States. And uh, there's fresh asparagus and there's a risotto with fresh mushrooms, neither of which in theory we should have been able to be able to eat <laughs> at Christmas, but we did. And they were uh, delicious. Uh, thanks Peru for your growing season. That's inverse to ours. That's not to try to, you know, demonize the way people, you know, eat. We all eat out of season. That's just sort of the way the much of the world lives now for better or for worse. Um, and so rather than complaining about it, how do we approach food and the seasons in our poetry in a way that reflects the way life is now. Warm start to the day. The apple's shadow before it's peeled. Warm start to the day. The apple's shadow before it's peeled. Gary Hotham, Right Sizing the Universe, Haiku Theory. And so peeling an apple, is it for a pie? Is it because someone prefers to eat their apples peeled? Or is it going into juice? We don't know, but this, there is an active preparation in here. And working with food Kigo can reinforce the ways in which all aspects of the haiku work together. One word or phrase does not have to do all the work of defining a season. So I put this haiku in autumn because of the presence of an apple, but the opening line provides a little more context. It suggests early autumn rather than late autumn. We out in the Midwest, we have not had a warm morning in, in several weeks and we're at the end of October as I'm recording this. So, uh, but in September, we definitely had some warmer mornings. Rhubarb leaves, how they soften the pelting rain. Rhubarb leaves how they soften the pelting rain. Michael McClintock, Haiku Poets of Northern California Competition 2010. Rhubarb is a perennial that is in season in the spring in terms of harvesting and eating. Um, oh, and while only the stalks are edible, uh, they are quite bitter and fibrous and really need to be cooked down before they can be eaten. Um, so rhubarb pie, it's a common way to cook them with a lot of sugar and uh, butter and really turn them into more of a jam, rhubarb jelly, lots of other ways to eat them, but you really can't eat them raw. Just as vegetables soften on the stove, the sound of aggressive pelting rain can be softened by landing on big, soft leaves. The image also brings to mind other cruciferous vegetables, uh, mustard greens, collard greens, kale that are generally best when cooked. So even when we've got this one vegetable, it, it can also evoke the image of other vegetables in a sort of similar vein. Warming up with a bowl of clam chowder, 
crunch of sand. Warming up with a bowl of clam chowder, crunch of sand. Evan Vandermeer, Kingfisher 3. Now, when a food kigo could go in two different seasons, as many foods do, uh, we have the opportunity to consider how definitive the seasonal reference needs to be. Wild clams are at their best between mid-autumn and late spring, depending on region. And while I place this poem in winter, I wouldn't fault someone for placing it in autumn. And yes, working on this project, I have been doing a whole lot of research into when certain things are in season. <laughs> so much research. And I think that when a seasonal reference is broader, there can be room for more connection with the reader. That's a fine line to walk. If it's too broad, no one can connect to it. In fact, if an image is too broad, it sort of risks becoming abstract. But when we have something that toes that line, clam chowder, um, there is that connection. So you might connect to it more in winter, or you might think of it more of that first really cold day in autumn that almost feels extra cold because the transition has been so sudden and your body's not used to the cold. All right, moving on to food that augments the season. Uh, foods paired with holiday references can create, create a more concrete seasonal image. Food images can enhance the sense of contrast or juxtaposition in the haiku. And food images can be a source of comparison in relation to the season itself. So many holiday foods could fit in a number of seasons, but become seasonal due to special preparation at certain times of the year. For example, we eat cookies throughout the year, but Christmas cookies are often more elaborate or have specific decorations, or there might be a specific cookie recipe that you just, your family only ever eats at Christmas. In my research so far, most of the uh, haiku concerning holiday foods contain more general food words with seasonal modifiers um, or additional season specific references. New Year's Eve, the kiss of beer froth. New Year's Eve, the kiss of beer froth. Agnes Eva Savage, first frost number two. This haiku uses the image of beer connected to two aspects of New Year's Eve festivities. First, the tendency toward drunken revelry, and second, the tradition of kissing at midnight. And while beer is an atypical New Year's image, champagne would be more standard, uh, the froth of the bubbles connects us to that effervescent celebratory mood. And so an unexpected image can nonetheless strengthen the sense of the holiday as long as there's enough for the reader to make that connection. And I think that can be done through the senses. And so in this case, it would be sort of the sense of touch and the excitement of a New Year's kiss or just the uh, effervescent touch of bubbles. At Thanksgiving, all the garden laid out on the table. At Thanksgiving, all the garden laid out on the table. Liette Croteau, Autumn Moon, 3.1. This is also in French. I am going to butcher it if I try to read it in French. So apologies, uh, Liette, but it is in the PowerPoint. <laughs> and it's beautiful, but no one wants to hear me read French. 
While the word Thanksgiving might evoke some standard images, the word itself can be so general that it can border on abstraction. The use of food imagery can make a holiday reference more concrete and potent. Uh, The phrase, all the garden, evokes the abundance of a home harvest, making the concept of Thanksgivings more precise. Um, So in theory, we could have a haiku that invoked uh, getting catering, or we could have a haiku uh, celebrating all of this, all of the stuff that you bought at the grocery store uh, the day before when it was just the worst time to be at the grocery store. But instead we have something very specific here where it's this, all the garden, which I, to me implies the home and the work that has been done to bring this whole harvest to fruition. All right, some juxtaposition. First frost, icy vines with one red tomato. First frost, icy vines with one red tomato. Chris Ellery, Lifting the Sky, Southwestern Haiku and Haiga. Now, even with a long growing season in much of the American Southwest, it's unusual to see tomatoes at, on the vine at frost time. The fact that there is a single tomato emphasizes that this is an unusual image. The sense of contrast or juxtaposition we are often seeing in haiku becomes more prominent through the presence of just one out of season vegetable. Is it, you know, did it, I'm going to assume that since it's not riding on the vine, it didn't just get left and forgotten, (laughs) but it maybe just came in at the last, very last second. Summer heat, the first blueberry, a little sour. Summer heat, the first blueberry, a little sour. Kristen Lindquist from the Haiku P podcast, series three, episode 24. And we generally expect blueberries to be on the sweeter side, but early in the season, it can be difficult to tell when they're ready to eat. Definitely have experience with this, especially when they're in the wild. The sharp tartness of a blueberry contrasts with the the weight, the heaviness of summer heat and humidity. There is a hint of surprise in the taste of the blueberry. We expect sweet, but get its opposite, making it a juxtaposition. The taste is a juxtaposition in and of itself. And thinking about comparison, this morning's brightness, sun on heaped snow, eggs sunny side up. This morning's brightness, sun on heaped snow, eggs sunny side up. Claudia Cotu Radmore, Stratified Layers, Haiku Canada Members Anthology 2022. So in this haiku, the brightness of the yolks encircled by egg white serves as a point of comparison to sunlight shining on white snow. Now the analog is not one-to-one. Sun on snow does not literally look like a fried egg. But that keeps the image from feeling too ponderous. It would probably be really boring if we had a one-to-one comparison. Um, And so this is more of like a slant comparison. Uh, The first image is enhanced by the uh, sense of contrast in the second. A severe snowfall. My cream cheese frosting turns out very thick. A severe snowfall. 
My cream cheese frosting turns out very thick. Maya Deneva, Kingfisher 3. And in this haiku, the cream cheese frosting mirrors that heavy snow outside. And there is an implied contrast in the haiku of the warm kitchen as opposed to the cold outdoors. However, the direct images are more similar than they are different. And the image of that unexpectedly thick frosting uh, reinforces the image of a deep, heavy snow, which then augments that overall effect of winter. With that, some strategies for practicing with bringing uh, food imagery into your haiku. Compile a running list of seasonal foods relevant to your region and to your culture. Practice invoking the seasons with those words. What is the effect that connects to specific, that connecting to specific foods has on your poems? All right, this is a fun one. Uh, number two, pick a commercial food that is artificially seasonal. So in the United States, we have the McRib from McDonald's uh, or there's the pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. Um, neither of, you know, these are always limited run things. None of them has to be seasonal. You could make them all year round. Uh, but experiment with writing haiku or senryu using these images. Uh, what is the effect that comes from writing haiku with a sort of deliberately artificial or commercial referent? And pick food reference that could fit into multiple seasons and write haiku with them. What is the effect of that seasonal ambiguity? Well, now, Alison, I don't have any questions. You've got my mind spinning. I've got to haiku that when we finish this um, recording, I have to sit down and put on paper before I forget. And they are food inspired. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I was just thinking as, as you were going along, what a fascinating topic this is, really. Are you creating Alison Whipple's Sajiki of food? Uh, after I finish this season, I'm going to have a 12 episode season and then I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to focus on starting to build a manuscript um, that could actually Good. be a published food Sajiki. No, it's great. I, I look forward to that. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to reading what our wonderful listeners are going to to do with this topic and i love what you've given us it's been a, a treat as always alison thank you very much and one last question for you are we likely to see you as the judge when we have this topic i would love it i would love to be one of the judges for the food haiku <laughs> great thanks very much alison thank you thank you once again to alison for a great topic we chatted on for a while after the recording stopped. Which made me wonder how many of you would be interested in being in on the live recordings. Let me, let me know. Anyway, Alison had a warning for you. She has found many, many coffee haiku in her research. So if you were thinking of writing a coffee haiku, you'll have to make sure it's sublime. As a publication, we get many submissions on certain themes. Cherry blossoms comes to mind. And so the competition to get a cherry blossom haiku published is enormous. It's possible if you write of coffee, you'll be in the same boat. So with that, I'm off to enjoy the wedding. I'll raise a glass of champagne to you all and post photos on my Instagram page. Perhaps you can join me there and write some haiku in the comments. If you're looking for me, I'm at P-Logic.
I'll put that in the show notes. So until we meet again, keep writing. Of course, Alison's notes will be in the show notes. If you can't find them, email me and I'll sort it out for you. Ciao.